Hello and welcome to the Selfish Podcast. In today's episode, we have Paula Holland, who I'm really excited to share and connect with. I already have a little brief indication on who she is and what she does, and it aligns very much with this show and being selfish. But before we get there, welcome, Paula. Can you just share with myself and the audience, whereabouts in the world are you? It's so great to be here, Luke. Thank you. And I am in Dallas, Texas in the USA. It's nice. I always love to hear where the guests are from because to be able to connect in an instant is just a beautiful experience. Yeah. So if you hear me say y'all, that's not intentional. That's just the way we talk in Texas. So. <laughs> yeah, no, I had a guest recently from Texas and it's one of them places I've seen so much of and never actually been there. So I look forward to one day visiting Texas and the States. I've never been to the States, but Texas is a country within a country and looks incredible. <laughs> <laughs> What I like to do with my guests to know them more personally and so the audience gets to know a bit more about them is go back a little bit. Can you paint me a picture of what child life was like for you? What was your life like, say, pre-10 years old? Um, my life was was pretty typical middle-class U.S. Uh, energy, but my father was an agronomist. It's a study of grains, so we moved around a lot when I was younger. So I lived in quite a few different places including like uh, Montana and then Arizona. So I was experienced a lot of different places and things. And, um, and we were often on the move, but I liked it. I mean, I was, I remember just, okay, here we are, you know, and being happy just to be where, wherever we were. Oh, nice. Uh, Montana's on my list as well of places to visit. It looks incredible. <laughs> and yeah. um what was what was it like with school then with the travel? How was did you enjoy school? I did. I, I, I've always enjoyed it. I, I, I am one of those nerdy kids who enjoyed school and I uh, definitely embraced reading very early on. I remember I would get the, the library would only allow you to check out like maybe six books at a time. And I would get so upset with my mom because she wouldn't take me back to the library in the middle of the week to get me more books because I'd already finished the ones that I'd read. So, oh, nice. And what was your, if you remember, what do you remember like your first ambition or dream or desire when you was a child, like something you wanted to do, be or become when you was older? I wanted to be a veterinarian. I was always really drawn to animals and we had pets and my grandparents lived on a farm, so I had lots, you know, we would have little calves that were our, our friends and stuff like that. So, yeah, I, I, in, my, in my younger years, I really thought I would be either a veterinarian or a librarian, one of those two things. Oh, nice. And what comes to mind, it doesn't have to be the first thing, but what comes to mind as a, a struggle that pops up in your life? You mean in the past or in general? Yeah, in the past. In the past, um, in the hindsight, looking back, one of the things that that struggle was feeling like I fit in, it, and that's I guess a fairly common thing that people feel. But I always felt like I was a little bit outside the flow, and I I tried really really hard to be a good girl you know, to do everything right and to make my parents happy. But at the same time, I had lots of opportunities for play and to be outdoors. I remember swimming and chasing lightning bugs at night. So 
But the, the challenges were really more kind of internal of, of feeling like I really belonged or being really comfortable as a person. Oh, nice. I imagine it was reading, but I was going to ask what like brought you balance in that time? What did you enjoy doing when you was feeling in that struggle? Ask that again. When, when you was younger and you was in that struggle of not feeling like you quite fit in, was there something you went to that just made you feel a little yeah. bit more peaceful, like reading, reading? or Yeah, reading was definitely, has been a lifelong go-to for soothing myself and, and just escape and you know, kind of see the world through books. So, Would that be like nonfiction or fiction or both? Both, especially when I was younger. I, I would read anything from... War stories to romance to biographies. Um, and now I read more mostly fiction because it's it's not as much of an escape anymore. It's something I do for pleasure, mm. and so I I'm kind of into to all kinds of different fiction. Oh, nice. And um, we briefly spoke before the show started about what you're doing now to serve others. Can you let us know? what that is and how that came to be in your life. Sure. Um, my life is, has been kind of an interesting journey of uh, making leaps of faith and seeing where I land and going from there. And what I teach now is mental fitness. And basically what that means is that just like we can build our muscles in a gym by regularly using them, we can build the specific muscles in our brains that, that help our brains default more to happy emotions and energy rather than the normal reptilian brain driven. Oh my God, the danger ahead. Can't do that. You know, the, and I know they're trying to keep us safe, but in reality, our brain is both our best friend and our biggest en enemy in a way, because the choices as adults that the, the brain makes affect us, excuse my puppy there, um, those don't necessarily take us to where we really want to be and make us happy as human beings. This is the long, guys, I'm so sorry. Um, yeah, it's no problem. Okay, sorry about that. No problem. So... so um, as I my thought distracted and now I'm coming back. What I what I really want is for people to wake up happy in the morning. And the way that you make wake up happy is by being true to yourself and engaging in the things that, that light you up as a human being. And the journey from being a person who lived a lot in fairly negative energy to somebody who now has experienced the benefits of that brain shift that can happen. It's like living in a different world. And I, I am very passionate about bringing this work to other people in the world, especially women like me. And, and so that's, that's where I am now. I, I coached for a long time. I started coaching when I was 37. or uh, So I got diagnosed with cancer when I was 37. And a couple of years after that, I got called to, to begin uh, life coaching and working with cancer patients and survivors. And I went back to school and got all my training and certification and then helped kind of launch the survivorship coaching industry. But what I focused on was how people make the transition 
going through the chaos and drama of cancer treatment into creating a new normal life as a survivor that integrated the changes of cancer, but also fulfilled that deep longing for meaning, for joy, for passion. And because that's what the cancer experience awakens. So the, the beginning of my career was all focused on working with cancer patients and survivors. And since then, I have actually expanded my work into more integrative methods like conscious breath work, expressive arts, things like that. And then the most recent addition is the mental fitness training based on positive intelligence. So when you work with me, you get to play with lots of different things. You're forced to be intuitive and you will always end up happier than you were before. That's what I'd like to say. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think it's important, especially what you said right at the beginning about how you wake up and being aware of how that feels. But once you start to see that change, like it's a beautiful feeling for yourself. It's something I experienced, you know, yeah. but then also when you get to see someone else experience that, it's amazing. But when you're in that dark place, sometimes it's really hard to even imagine. I remember in my worst times, I suffered depression for many, many years and had lots of chaos in life. And I was a carer for my mom who had mental illness. And it was like, every day was a dark day. But the only thing that got me up was my sort of duties and responsibilities. But I didn't know things could change within that. And I could still act more productively towards my responsibilities if I'm in a more joyful state, if I'm in a more calm state. You know, it was like when I was in that, it was like I call it an inner dictator. An inner yes. dictator was ruling my life. And I'd push myself with pain. I'd push myself to do things, you know. And if I didn't do it right, it's like you can always do better. You're not good enough now. You can do better. You can do better. Yeah. And it was yeah. like, I realized that's not encouragement. And with encouragement comes much more potential, much more growth, much more strength, you know, and you can actually do things a lot more and be productive. And I think a yeah, lot of people yeah, really need that. Yeah, that, I, I agree and have experienced everything that you just shared. And that's what, as you just said, helping and helping people understand that they don't have to live in that and that they can actually intentionally choose to harness that positive energy space and make decisions and be creative and stuff from that space, how much easier life gets because it isn't, it isn't a push, push, I have to do this, I have to do this, I have to do this. It becomes the things that you're meant to do pulls you. And 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 that's that comes from the heart. And and that's what that's the shift I love to see in people, definitely. Yeah, beautiful. And I love the term as well, mental fitness, because part of what I do is I call it faith fitness. And you mentioned faith earlier. And it was something for me, it's a perception shift. And like you said, that wires our mind, our mental state. And it's like you can perceive that life's happening to you and it's hard and it's unfair. Or you can perceive that you're getting what you need, not what you want. But what are you going to make use of? How are you going to make this make you? I was actually in a, a group about trauma before we got on this call. And someone was putting in there about trauma. And for me, trauma's drama. And apologies if there's a bit of wind, I'll block the mic a bit. But yeah, to me, your trauma is like your drama. And no character is built in a story without some drama. We wouldn't watch any entertainment. You wouldn't have read any of your books if the character didn't have to tackle drama. But once they not only learn from it, they put that lesson to use it actually becomes, they're no longer being used by the drama, they're being useful. So I found in my own journey and working with people that once we find use and feel useful, you know, there's a fulfillment and there's like, it's just a totally different way of life and feeling. It is. It, it just it, it kind of, it creates motivation that you never had before. 
And, you know, to me, that's a lot of part of waking up happy is waking up going, oh, I'm going to do this today. Or, you know, and like you said, that that really does come from that place of um, feeling rather than thinking. And so I, I, I agree with you very much. Yeah, and as this is called the Selfish Podcast, it really is being selfish, you know, to work on yourself. And like for me, I had to start practicing uh, gratitude and not just self-acceptance, but self-love, but especially before bed so I could change my state before I went into sleep. So I could sleep rested and then I noticed the wake was different when I woke up rather than trying to wake up and reset myself and get myself into that state, I would wake up more consistently in that state. And it was a wave. Like my journey wasn't instantly like, oh, I was depressed down. Perfect. You know, it was ups and downs for a long time, but I was consistent. I didn't give up. And I think that's like that encouragement is needed because it does start to change. You know, like when I look back, it's incredible how I used to feel to how I feel now. And it's it, yeah, just a totally different way of feeling. It, it is. And and I think that you really, you really nailed it when you said, talked about how you fall asleep really contributes to how you wake up. And I, I too believe and have experienced that. And just taking a little bit of time, like you said, before you, before you fall asleep to create that positive, open energy, like you said, then, then you wake up and it's there. And you don't have to, like you said, fight your way back. And when I think about how much time I spent fighting my way out of negative emotions in the past, because I too have struggled with depression, it's staggering. And it's it's really staggering. And and as you said, that journey back towards self-love and self-respect was the thing that really made the difference. You know, I, I could change all of the, I could change everything in the world, but nothing for me would have been better until I learned to accept myself as the person that I am and perfectly perfect. And to understand that the emotions were part of the journey. And like you said earlier, when we were talking, how can you be, be truly, really, really happy if you're happy all the time, you know? And so there is that, that up and down process that we as human beings go through. And yet our brains are so hardwired to predict us from, protect us from everything. We keep making it harder for ourselves. And I, I, I still, you know, I've been, I've been in this coaching personal growth mode for a long time, but I still find myself on a regular basis creating stories in my mind about how awful something is going to be. So then I avoid it. I don't want to look at it or, or deal with it. And then when I finally do, I'm like, oh, well, that was easy. And I spent all that time thinking it wasn't going to be easy. And one of the, the things that I've done my best to embrace recently is that life was my friend. You know, for a long time, life was my adversary. It was something to be guarded against and you know, challenged. And, and now it's like, you know, like you said, when you can see the positive, even in things that seem negative, it, it just, it totally changes the way you see your world and the way that you are able to be in the world and what the world will bring back to you. Yeah, no, I can really resonate with that. And it's, um, 
they said you can you could i was calling it to someone the other day i said it's like when there's a struggle you can snuggle in that struggle and you can be stuck in it and you can just sit in it but you you're not going to get anything done and then you're going to reflect back on that and beat yourself up for the fact that you didn't and it's like a negative cycle you could be really stuck in you know but it's there is possibility that that can change and it is just taking for me it's small steps gradually rather than an instant huge life change because that normally is an instant crash at some point and that's really hard to keep getting yourself back up from you know but the consistency of just making little changes but really selfish changes to be of better service and i've found that some of the most caring people and people that really they put all their energy into others you know and they let themselves fall apart both mentally and physically a lot of the time you know and then they beat themselves up because they can't actually care and look after other people as good as they did before you know yeah. and they they struggle with being selfish <laughs> yeah and that's one of the topics that throughout my career keep coming back to is you know that that self first is not selfish it's it's critical for for our contribution for our survival and i'll be honest with you i often wonder i'm a 25 20 almost 25 year breast cancer survivor and i still believe that the way that I was living my life before, that was all externally focused on taking care of other people and being the absolute best at everything I would could possibly be, meeting other people's expectations, never concerned about what was good for me, that contributed to making me sick. And so many survivors, you know, our automatic default after we go through that life-changing crash chaotic experience is to to find our way back to where we were before because that feels to the the reptilian brain safe and natural and that's where we're going to go. But yet you're in a situation where it doesn't feel right anymore. It doesn't fit. And finding the path from the crash back up to what feels right, I think that's where the self-love and the empathy for self really take over and as you said it's one small step at a time but over time you feel that i remember i was working a lot with patients because it takes a while for chemo to wear out come out of your out of your body they'd be like no i still feel so it's all it's been three months and i only they just still feel so awful and i will think about how you actually felt three months ago how are you now oh well i'm better now And so sometimes we don't even see our progress, but it's always there. And I always like to say that change is like a three-step forward, one-step back process. Because once you start moving forward, you really can't go all the way back and be happy. But there's always that little default back that that you have to take to remind you that you really want what you're going towards. That's how it's kind of worked for me. Yeah, no, yeah, I've seen, I've seen very much the same, and sometimes as well, it's like sometimes we need to take a small step back to have a propel forwards. You know, like if you was walking or running, you know, sometimes we take a little step just to jump. So there's always going to be a little back and forth. But you can, when you look back, you realize you're going in a direction. You know, and I think that comes as well, like you said, finding purpose in life. Like, what can you use the event for? Where's your passion? And everyone's unique. So everyone's got a unique drive. But I find a lot of people are lost in even finding that and that in itself is a discomfort but i wanted you mentioned that it was breast cancer i wanted to get back to the cancer and i wanted to know also how how did it come to be that you then worked with cancer what motivated you what inspired you in that time that you're like i'm going to make my experience a service for others um it took me three years to get my life back 
after my chemo ended. And very, within a year, I was doing volunteer work for the American Cancer Society and stuff, but it really made me angry that it took me three years to get my life back. And I decided that I wanted to help women, especially breast cancer survivors, make the transition from being, being on treatment to being back feeling like they were their life in a way that was positive. I wanted to shorten that for them. And so I developed, um, actually that was when I, I decided to become a coach. And during that time frame was also part of the time I went back and got my training, but I also started working with survivors and stuff then. And I created a, a workshop that basically took them through some coaching steps that just cleared out the egg, reconnected them to the empowering aspects of the experience, and then helped them see inside themselves, like you said, that unique thing that lights them up and how to hear their heart along with their thinking brain. And it was successful. And so that that's what really started me down the path of of, of working with people and also my deep, deep commitment to knowing that we're all unique and that we all have, we all have the right to find ourselves and be who we are. And it should not take three years to have for somebody to have to figure it out on their own. And bear in mind, this was a while ago. And back then the support for cancer survivors and patients, the, the, the psychosocial support then was nowhere near as good and as valuable as it is now. But back then there was a, it was a big need and it helped it helped bring bring the the industry forward and gave them some insights in how they can really help survivors make that transition because they're it's it's not just going back to normal in any way, shape, or form, no matter what. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I think it's like with everything that's happened in the last couple of years when people say back to normal, and it's like it's not possible to go back to how it was because something really drastic's happened. But it doesn't mean it has to get worse than it was before. It can be better than it was before. Yeah, it's yeah. but if you concentrate on trying to go backwards to this whatever normal was in your life or in the world, it's like you're trying to sort of do the impossible because something has happened you know. So yeah, no, it really makes sense to me what you're doing with people in that space. And well, I was thinking is like I've got a close friend who's got stomach cancer at the moment and she's how old is she she's about 50 it's actually one of my close friend's mothers you know and she's going down the route she's just they've just said to her yesterday I found out that they might have to remove half of her stomach you know and what I noticed is she doesn't have a place to me it's like she needs to now be she's already got her procedures that the medical doctors are doing and she's going that route so whether that's the best or not it's not the point it's more I'm worried about the mental health because it takes such a toll on your life to go through these sort of procedures and the stress and a lot of family and people will try and be there for support. But I see in the world, there's a lot of lack of encouragement and stability within just nurturing someone's mental health, you know, so they stay strong through the process. And like you said with yours, it's be, being strong and confident and working on your actual self during that process makes, I think, such a huge difference to how well your treatment's going to go. So what would you be is there places that you recommend? Do you put yourself free content out that people can go to, to, or anything like that? I, I, I do. And um, actually in October, I'm offering a, a free copy of my what's next after cancer treatment is life book for uh, anybody who's interested. If somebody would like to claim that they can email me 
or, or text me. Actually, texting would be best at 954-663-7834. But yeah, I, I've kind of been out of the loop for a few years with COVID and stuff, but I am diving back into doing live events and putting um, tools and things out that people can use to address some of the more recent problems, especially uh, stress and that kind of underlying something not something's not right energy. And I hear them talk yes. <laughs> this is gonna happen, but um, it's no it's, it's no so problem. yeah I think the focusing on nurturing ourselves, recognizing that things are not going to be the same, but really be just being kind to ourselves and giving ourselves permission to say it's sad that it's not maybe going to go back to the way it was. It's scary to look at what might happen in the future. And, and I don't know what to do. And I'm not used to not feeling like I know what to don't know what to do. But it does really come back to, as you said, taking responsibility for yourself, for your own emotions, for your own experience in the world and for what you're doing. And I, I guess part of me, sees the time that we're in as an opportunity to know ourselves and each other more deeply, to take back more control through that knowledge of knowing ourselves deeply, and then showing and becoming respectful of all of the differences between us as human beings and, and move into the energy of finding solutions rather than, than just pointing the finger at that problem. So. That's my small soapbox, and I'll get off it now. <laughs> yeah. No, again, I, from what I've witnessed, only just going by my own personal feelings and example in life and experience, but I've seen it in others as well. But once I worked on myself, you know, yeah. and work, I realized that, like I said, that inner dictator, how much it was judging me, how much I judged my every action and lack of action. But once I went through and really started to love myself put unconditional love within myself and put myself into such a much better place i didn't have that for others you know i didn't look at people in the same way because i was like i realized what i was doing to myself and i was like right to not judge others let them be how they want to be i can be of an influence but i can't control them much like when it all happened in the world that was like an example for me because i was going through that stage at that point where i was like oh, i have no judgments on anyone i'm unconditionally loving then the world went all crazy and there's all these diverse opinions and stuff and i was like right can i still be this is life challenging me now can i hold no judgments against all different aspects of where people are judging you know, so yeah. I thought it was, again, I was looking for an opportunity. I'd wired myself by that point that whatever happens, I have to switch to opportunity. What's the opportunity that serves me selfishly in this moment to better myself so that I can be of better service? That's it. That's it. And that's, that's exactly the focus of my work is, is it, yeah, you said it so well. <laughs> it really, it really is. And yeah, and that's how this I'm podcast very, came. I'm very grateful to have, as you, I can't say that my life is perfect. I'm 100% happy all the time. But it is that shift between feeling like I was at the mercy of life versus now life is just presenting me opportunities. And I can choose whether or not I want to let them make me happy, sad, angry, or stay neutral. And I can make those choices based on who I am as a human being and what matters most to me. Yeah, yes. and that, that's a big part of mine. Like, I've still got plenty of chaos that happens in my life and unexpected dramas and stress. Yeah. But because I switch myself as quick quick as possible, it's just like, right, 
this is what's happening in life. What can I do about it? And how can I also maintain some sense of balance? And I always look at uh, like a paramedic. And I was like, if a paramedic turns up and I've had a few of them turn up in my life for many different reasons, if they turned up and they were stressed out, chaotic, angry, I wouldn't want them there. I'd be like, they're not going to do a good job. But the one when they turn up and they're calm in a chaos, you know, and in in, someone could be dying and they're there and they have to be of optimum service. They've trained themselves to be calm in that moment so they can be smooth and effective to get the best job done. And I think it's much like that in our lives. If there is chaos, that's the most important time to remain as calm as possible so you can be productive. Yeah. And like applause for everything you're saying. Like. <laughs> yeah. then that's how this podcast came to be and why I interview people. Because originally at the beginning of the pandemic, I, I just heard so much about mental health issues arising and people with depression and suicide and all these things were just skyrocketing. And because so personally, this has been a part of my life with my mother, with myself, with other loved ones, I was like, all right, I'm just going to, I'm at a good place with my drama. And I was like, I'm going to share openly as much as I can online. So I started making YouTube videos, just talking about my life, my experience, what worked for me may work for someone else, but at least I can shine some possibility of hope of change of growth. So I started that. And after doing that for a year, I was like, I'm talking a lot about myself. I was like, let's hear other people out there. And that's how the podcast came. I was like, I'm just going to talk to anyone and everyone that I can get. There's no criteria. They don't need to have a business or a website. If they do, great. But just whoever, because everyone's had a life and experience. Everyone's overcome obstacles. And some don't realize they even have until they start talking about it. And they're like, oh, I didn't. They're like, oh, I didn't realize actually. Yeah, I really, I've done this and I've done that. And that's what got me through. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, there will always be obstacles. And um, one of the things I, I have to tell my clients is, you know, yes, you're going to, you're going to get triggered. Emotions are going to happen. Stuff is going to come up. And it's, it's a good thing because it's, that is reminding you that you have gone out of your wise self brain state and into that judgy, dangerous energy. And we talk about, um, Shirzad Sharman, the founder of Positive Intelligence, talks about how, you know, feeling the emotion, the negative emotion is a wake-up call, but staying in it, choosing to stay in it is like holding your hand on a hot stove burner. And I, I think of that analogy often when, when, I, when I get, I, I go into that energy and I just take the hand off, you know, and it really can be with awareness as simple as that. And as you have experienced, I've experienced that the more times you short circuit that negative energy and replace it with labeling it in something positive, less often it shows up. And we really do reach that place of calm in which most of the time you're very comfortable dealing with whatever happens effectively and making Yeah. I was actually speaking to someone yesterday and he was having an issue where his sort of depressive thoughts were coming back up and arising within him. But he was like putting a wall up and he's like, I can feel them and they're there. And he goes, I thought they were gone. Um, And through his practice, he's been taking moments of silence and stuff and doing things to separate himself. And I said to him, like, your thoughts are much like bullies. I said, certain thoughts have been bullying you for a really long time. And I said, you've been at school all week getting bullied. I said, then your parents have taken you home, taken you away for the weekend. And you're like, oh, freedom, I'm not being bullied. But then Monday comes and you're back in school getting bullied again. And I said, so there's many practices and things we do that free us from them thoughts. 
but they don't eradicate them thoughts. And it is working with people to actually rewrite the thoughts, to change them, to kick some of them out, to stand up to the bully. Because when you stand up and you actually have that inner courage, many of these thoughts just completely disappear or dilute or slowly fade away. Like you said, some of them are in an instant, some of them it takes a bit longer. But can you explain to myself and anyone that hasn't, say, had um, coaching, every coach can work slightly different. What would be sort of a normal, say, coaching regime plan? Like, do you do weekly sessions or is it an intensive everyday session or what? How does it sort of averagely work? I imagine you cater well, yeah. uniquely. General, but there, there's two different ways that I work with people. My favorite way is in small groups of five to six people. And I take them through an eight week course that teaches them which of those judgy voices are strongest in them and how to manage them and shift them. And then teaches them that's the same process that we've just talked about, about recognizing the negativity, calling it out, shifting it to something else and reprogramming the brain. So, and that course is, um, is I mentor people through that, but the actual course is delivered through positive intelligence via an app on the phone. And then the, the small groups, increase success by 500% by working together. So it's it's really thrilling for me to see people take the same journey that has changed my life and be able to give them that extra guidance and wisdom to, to really reach that transformation where they do have the tools to, to, to change their life to waking up happy. I also work one-on-one -on -one with individual clients as well. Typically, I work three times, if we were to work together as at one-on-one, -on -one, we would meet three times a month for three months. And through that time, I would, would work through the saboteurs, work connecting the people with the tools to manage the negative versus positive energy and take them toward whatever goal they want to go for. But for me, setting the foundation for that ongoing, lifelong, sustainable, wake up happy energy is taking what I call I, I call the mental fitness mentor boot camp. Um, it's it's just an eight week course that really focuses on building that muscle muscle, creating a shift, and getting really comfortable using the tools. Oh, nice. Yeah, I personally really think the group experience is unique, and it's I think it's the thing of you have someone that say is the coach who's giving you the tools. But you also are with people that are in all different aspects and you get like such an insight on different people's places, their growth. And it's really encouraging to see someone who's like in your team, in your little family, when they have the breakthroughs or they have the moments or even the moments where they struggle and you can stand up and be like, oh, well, I did this. And they go, oh, that's really helpful. You know, and you feel like you've actually done something of service and it empowers yourself. So I think the group stuff, I've seen incredible results in, in that area. For I, I, I'm, I'm a small group girl. I mean, that's what I've always loved doing. And that's what I've made my commitment to doing most going forward with my practice. I just like it. It lights me up. Yeah. And where's the best place for people to find you in your services? They can find me at whatsnextformylife.com. And it's all spelled out, all the words. But um, if you go to what's next what's next for my life.com. You'll find all the info about working with me. You'll find the link and stuff for the book, the journal that I'm giving away for cancer survivors and um, learn anything you want to know. And then you can also connect with me there. Oh, nice. And I'll make sure I put it in the show notes as well. So people can just go down, click it and check it out. I appreciate that. Luke. Yeah. And no, I think it's wonderful. And nice. I think 
the more people understand. I see the coaching world sort of transforming at the moment because I used to be a personal trainer many years ago. And when I was, this was like when I was uh, 20 years old and no one really understood personal training at the time. They were like, oh, like unless you're an athlete or you've got a competition or something, you don't have a personal trainer. You just, some people go to a gym, some don't. And they mess around in there basically. And it was like only actual professionals need a coach. They need a PT. Whereas now it's like, anyone that goes to gym then you get recommended sign up with rpt you know because you're going to up your performance faster you'll get where you need to do, go and you'll learn the tactics you'll learn from their mistakes or you'll learn from their education and what they've learned and how to optimize so you waste less time mostly like you said it shouldn't take three years it's like because you've then you can take out what didn't work so well and what you learned work the best and really optimize the process for someone so i see that this coaching development world of people working with their mental health, working with their physical health, just working on their purpose of life, like how that's, I think it's just going to grow and exponentially scale in the next few years because people are seeing incredible results within it, you know, and that spreads like wildfire, you know, because you tell people. (laughs) I think coaching is a a very rapidly growing profession that is pretty soon everybody's going to have a coach, like you said, just like they have a trainer, they have an accountant, you know, it, it's becoming a much more mainstream way to, I don't like to use the technical, but for self-actualization, for really bringing out the essence of you and putting it into the world in a way that, that makes you happy and motivated. Yeah, and I think it's one thing like, we were talking earlier about opportunity in chaos. That's one thing I've seen that's really come from the last two years because everyone won was had to look at themselves a little differently, spend a lot more time alone, see what's important to them, but also the techno- technology of just Zoom calls and sharing and being online and connecting with people grew in that time, doing school online in that time. So people are seeing the ability to educate digitally and empower themselves and work on all them issues that ar- arose in that time. So yeah, I just see it's just going to scale up. Hopefully our freedoms expand externally in the same time, but also a freedom online to connect and share. Absolutely. And I, I do agree with everything you said. And I think that in a way, in its own way, just like cancer, the whole pandemic has been a wake up call for human beings. And so many, you know, like you said, the disruption, the change, the more time on your own has really made people take a second look at what they want the rest of their life to be like. And to make a, sh- a, a big life shift, there is nothing better than the support of a coach. Um, just because we're experts. We know what to do. We know how to, to recognize where you're, you're, you're hiding from yourself and bring it out into the light. And we, especially as you and I both talk about, we can teach, teach you how to understand to claim the brilliance of yourself and your, the worth that you, you bring into the world. That's what really matters. Yeah. One thing that really not disturbs me. I'm trying to think of the best word for it. It's just something I really feel is when I meet people and it's a lot of them that they feel so insignificant. They feel so ununique. They don't see their own potential uniqueness, their, the possibility that they could even be of any form of service, you know, other than a cog in a wheel type situation, you know, they're like, well, they can have a job, but they're not feeling fulfillment. They're not feeling like they're anything special. It's just like, I'm just nothing. Um, and that I always feel, and it's, it's so common. You know, so it's so beautiful when you see the opposite. And I love your story, like how you've put not only your experience with cancer and got through it, because that's inspirational in itself when people just survive something horrible, you know, but to then transform that and say, right, I'm going to use that and I'm going to serve people with that. Now I find it really, that's, I would say, goes beyond inspirational and becomes motivational. Thank you. 
you. And it was, and I, I will tell you, the inspiration came from the other people just like me. You know, I just didn't want them to have to, to struggle as much as I did. And that I realized since then, after working with so many survivors around the world, that that's a really common thing that happens to a survivor is we do feel compelled to give back in some way. And, and that's where we begin to reclaim ourselves as human beings, because again, connection to the heart, and then everything starts to fall back into place. Well, it's been beautiful. We're coming to the end of the show, but I've really enjoyed talking to you and connecting with you. At the end of the show, I ask the guests just the same questions every guest gets asked. Do you have time for them? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, they're short, fun questions. They're not long. They're mostly one answers, but you can elaborate if you want. Okay. So the first question, if you had to choose a cat or a dog? Both. (laughs) I have to have both. Um, But I would choose the dog. And what's your favorite color? Yellow. What, sorry? Yellow. Yellow. So it was a Texan accent, then it was a a bit like the yo, it's a yellow. (laughs) Yellow. (laughs) (laughs) And um, what sound or noise do you love? Flutes. The sound of flutes. They yeah. just they go straight to my my inner self. <laughs> yeah, I like them too. It's very they're a very calming sound, aren't they? Very soothing. Yeah. And what sound or noise do you not love so much? Chalk. Fingernails on a chalkboard. <laughs> not that that's really an issue anymore, but from my childhood, <laughs> I've been just like, that, uh, and I guess I would also say a gunshot, the sound of gunshots. Yeah, that's not so nice. I actually had near me, there There were some wild pigs really close to me, and I just love listening to them at night. I try and see them without disturbing them, but I, I just hear them all the time. And then some hunters came the other day, and I was hearing the gunshots, and the, the gunshots are so intense. But I was also like, oh, I was becoming like familiar with these little pigs. I hope not too many are missing. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it's like... <laughs> And the chalk, interestingly, that was something that was in my mind today. I was trying to work out because I need to do some videos where I'm talking and also putting, working on a, like a whiteboard or a chalkboard. And I was trying to think, I was like, right, if I use a whiteboard and ink, and I was like, is that better than chalk and, and a blackboard? And I was thinking aesthetically, and then I was thinking like, which one's more, say, ethical in environmental and pollution and pollution for myself. And I was going through all that. And I was like, but I don't like uh-huh. the sound of a chalk and the feeling. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, I haven't decided yeah, yet what's the best way. <laughs> well, I know that you will pick the one that works best for you because that's yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And what do you love about yourself? I love how I have been decisive, extremely decisive in leaving situations in my life that don't serve me. Um, I it's and many people might not see that as as a good quality, but um, that's the one of the things that I'm the proudest of is I've had the courage to walk away from things that don't serve me. No, nice. I like that, and I think, like you said, being def- life is just made up of multiple decisions. If we feel we can be efficient with making them quicker and smoother, yeah. that sounds to me like a good thing. <laughs> yeah, it, it is, and uh, and it, and it's risky, and I think that's what makes it harder for for, for us. Is our human brains don't like risk, but um, spirit is on typically just kind of shoved me into it, and and I like that. I found that I function really well in those circumstances. So. Nice. So I take into doing it for myself on occasion. 
Yeah. And what, what do you love to see in other people? I love that moment when they realize that they've connected to something bigger than themselves, you know, where they, they just have that moment of knowing, yes, this is the true me. That's what I love the most. Nice. And the very last question is, what do you love about animals? This can be animals in nature, pets, however you want to perceive them. First of all, um, they teach us so much. You know, they, they just, the contrast between, actually, let me back up and start it to answer that. What I love most about animals is they are totally who they are in every moment of their entire lifetime. <laughs> you know, there's no thinking, there's no second. They are, they are instinctually and intuitively their own being. Nice. Yeah, it was actually a couple episodes ago. I can't remember which one. I guess said the same. They're like they're honest, and I was like, yeah, I like that because yeah, you never come across an animal and go, your your dog's fake or that horse is fake. He's not being himself. Yeah, that is so true. So it's been beautiful to have you on the show and to share your life and your story. Is there any last things that we haven't covered that you wanted to share? Um, not really. I, I just really want to say that it's such a pleasure to connect with um, another like-minded human being who is passionate about teaching people that you have to put yourself first. It is your responsibility as a human being. You were put here for a reason. And, and the reason you're here is to find that reason and bring what you're meant to into the world. And the more we embrace that journey, the happier we and the more fulfilled we are, and the better our life is. Nice, and you just—you just—it sparked a new word in my mind because I hear like-minded every so often. People were looking for like-minded, and it made me think of maybe it should be love-minded. You know, because I think you're love-minded. Oh, I like that. That is, uh, I think that's—I think that's a winner. <laughs> sure. It's nice to meet another love-minded person as well. There you go. Yes, it really is. It really is. Well, have a beautiful rest of your day. Thank you so much for coming on. It's my pleasure, and um, I'll look forward to hearing about um, uh, hearing and seeing the podcast. Yeah, I will send you an email with all the details when it's released. All right, that's great. Thank you, Luke. Thank you. I truly appreciate you for listening to the very end. So if you did, hit the like button, subscribe for more content just like this, and check out patreon.com forward slash Luke Greenheart on how you can support this broadcast, this mission, and my content creation. I am creating compassionate content to share, to love, and to shine. So come check it out.